I've been unable to move from my sofa for two days now. I'm paralysed. I should go outside, take a walk in the park, feel the sunshine on my face, let the breeze graze my cheeks. But I can't get up, can't eat, can't talk, can't do anything. On Tuesday, it was International Women's Day. Today, I look at my daily email from BookBub, and I see listed there a book by an amazing doctor I've heard about, a man who has spent his life, and risked his life, caring for women who have suffered appalling crimes in the DRC. I read the blurb, and this sentence catches my eye. Sexual violence is the most common, underreported, and least prosecuted crime in the world. But of course it is. It happens primarily to women, and women don't really matter. When the phone rings, flashing up Phil's number, I think I'm going to have a heart attack. I can't make my fingers work, can't press the answer button. After a few agonising moments of fumbling, I finally manage to accept the call. What? I bark. What's happened? What's the verdict? There's a pause during which I can hardly breathe. Phil, I almost scream. What? Finally, he answers. Guilty. I collapse forwards on the sofa, head on my knees, hyperventilating. I can't believe it. It was always both impossible that it could be anything but guilty, and at the same time extremely likely that it would be not guilty, simply because that's the verdict in the vast majority of rape trials. I realise that Phil is speaking, but it's not quite that simple, he says. What do you mean, I demand? What are you saying? My mind is reeling, trying to imagine what the complication could be. Is he saying the verdict is not guilty, after all? They pronounced him guilty on the count of rape by oral penetration on a 10-2 majority. But on the count of rape by vaginal penetration, they couldn't make a decision. It was a hung jury on that one. What on earth? I can't take in what Phil is saying. I know, Phil continues, the judge and our barrister were also baffled. They double-checked with the jury forewoman that she'd got the verdicts the right way around, and she had. I think furiously for a few moments, and suddenly it all becomes clear. The person who asked the questions, if B was a virgin, why was there no bleeding? And, is B still a virgin? Has concluded that vaginal penetration didn't actually take place. Their own cultural beliefs that all virgins bleed, combined presumably with Mr. Y's ridiculous testimony when he kept insisting it wasn't really sex, as he didn't get his penis in very far, has made this person unable to accept that vaginal sex happened. They're not saying that B wasn't raped, just that this particular act didn't take place at all. Right at the very beginning of this audiobook, I mentioned that one of the huge problems around rape trials is the abundance of myths and stereotypes that surround this topic. Usually, these censorious views centre around women being where they shouldn't be, wearing what they shouldn't wear, drinking what they shouldn't drink, or around people's conviction that they themselves would have acted differently. They would have fought, run, screamed, kick the guy in the balls, even though the reality is that the vast majority of victims simply freeze, too shocked and numb and terrified to do anything. I've never heard of a verdict resting on this particular old wives' tale, that virgins must bleed on first having sex, but all it does is add weight to the argument that juries on rape trials should have special training to enable them to approach this topic with the necessary knowledge and objectivity. Phil goes on to tell me that the verdict won't make much difference to how much time Mr Y does inside, as in UK law, any type of rape carries the same penalty. 
They're waiting for a date for sentencing to be set, and then he'll come home. The sentencing will combine the guilty verdict given to Mr Y in the rape trial and the guilty pleas both he and Miss X made to the conspiracy to pervert the course of justice trial. In the event, the sentencing gets postponed and doesn't occur for many more months. When it does finally happen, it reveals to us another whole tranche of information around the conspiracy, many of it things which I believe to this day the police should have told us, that potentially put our lives in danger. I'll bring you that story as soon as I can. When he arrives back at the house, Phil tells me that the original defence barrister wasn't in court today, so Sarah, the prosecution barrister, phoned her to tell her the verdict. Apparently her response was a bland and cynical, I'm not surprised. Of course she knew he was guilty. Guilt oozed from his every pore. But it's all a game to the legal professionals involved, especially defence barristers. Just a sick, sad, terrifying game. Rape trials destroy the lives of so many victims, but to them it's just another job, another day, another dollar. They don't even care if justice is done, if the criminal is brought to book. All it is to them is a game of one-upmanship. Can they beat the police, the system, the law? Rape and rape trials destroy lives. But it won't destroy us. It won't destroy B. I won't let it. <laughs> 